Hello everybody and welcome to the 49th episode of the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is your regular host, Corporal Hicks, or as I go by in the real world, Aaron Percival. And this is this is one of those rare podcasts where the Brits outnumbered by the Americans. Xenomorphin's um, Zeno- yeah. <laughs> not with us today. Technical difficulties have kept him off. Um, so it's just, you know, usual cohort. Ridgetop, are you there? Yep, hello again everyone. And also joining us today is a special guest, is Andrew Gasker. He's a franchise consultant for Fox. So thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me here. And before I do sort of pass it off on to um, Andrew, just to introduce himself a little bit, um, the today's the, this episode's going to be about Prometheus. Now, I've put it off for so long, <laughs> because there's one thing I hate, it's um, listening to people rag on about Prometheus. I hate reading it, I hate listening to it, and I hate talking about it. So this is <laughs> this has been one I've sort of put off for fear that it would go down that route. But with Alien Covenant due out next month, I thought it would be pretty appropriate that we, yeah, we talk about the preceding film. So I bit the bullet. We're gonna do it. We're gonna try and not make this a two-hour slagfest because there's stuff in the films that we like and there's stuff that we hate. But this is not gonna be one of them episodes where we're slagging off Prometheus. So before we get into that, Andrew, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, tell us about the first time you saw Alien as well. We love, our listeners love those kind of stories. So do I. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I am. A fr- like you said, I'm a franchise consultant for Fox. Um, I've worked on Planet of the Apes and uh, am working on uh, Aliens. Uh, basically, the stuff that I'm doing for them is um, trying to. Uh, help organize the extent, expanded universe stuff um, and bring it into canon as much as possible. Um, this has involved work on timelines and some other stuff. Um, I am uh, I've written uh, Planet of the Apes novel, uh, Conspiracy of Planet of the Apes, and I have a sequel one coming out at the end of this year. Uh, I've written some Space 1999 graphic novels, and I'm writing a series of Buck Rogers novels. So um, that's me in a nutshell. Aliens, uh, the first original Alien. Um, my first experience with that was the first time it was on television, and my mother had sent me to bed uh, when it was going to be on, and I woke up and came out just as the chestburster scene came out, mm. and that just scarred me for life. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, a, a few years later, I, when Aliens came out, all of a sudden, you know, Aliens was everywhere, and that was the most amazing thing. And then that's. It's when I, after Aliens is when I actually saw the full first Alien movie. It's the same for a lot of people, actually. Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, being traumatized was my first reaction. That's the sort of what made me fall in love with the uh, was the films. It was the nightmares that they gave me. It was like a morbid fascination. Right. So I've got to ask: Are you going to be doing any Alien novels yourself? Um, I hope to. Um, I, there's nothing been signed concrete yet. Um, there's some other projects for aliens in the works that I will be writing. Um, so can't talk much about them right now, but, uh, yeah, there will be stuff. Awesome. So let's, let's crack on then, I guess, with the, uh, with the topic at hand. So before we get into the nit and grit, nitty gritty, let's just small sort of opinions on Prometheus, just a couple of sentences. Um, about what we feel about the film before we get into it. So, Ridgetop, start us off. <laughs> well, 
you know, we have talked about Prometheus a bit before in, in some previous podcasts, mainly when we went over the, the space script, we talked about a lot on, on what we thought, how it initially was planned to be and what it ultimately ended up being. I think it's good we're doing this podcast now because Prometheus, for me, I've I've come to like it a bit more. Um, when I first saw it, I remember just coming out of the theater with my friends and us looking at each other and like, I think I'm going to need to see that one again. And I remember driving home and going through the movie in my mind. Well, like, well, well, this didn't make sense. This didn't make sense. You know, why, why would these, you know, scientists, astronauts do something like that? You know, and, and I kind of got angry at the movie. Like, ah, oh, this was such a, a miss opportunity. And I, I saw it a few more times in theaters and I tried to make myself like it because, you know, this was the alien prequel. This is what I, I had wanted to see for such a long time and and I just couldn't do it. I mean, it was a very beautiful movie. The production values were incredible. Um, most of my problems lied with the story and the treatment of the engineers. You know, I think myself and a lot of fans had this idea of what the space jockeys were, this idea that was explored in some comics um, before. And, and now there are these albino, you know, humans that are, tall and it was just not what we were expecting so the movie was was a bit jarring for me when i first saw it but i think over the years as i watched more of the making behind the film and as as i watched it more and just kind of you know my expectations were not there as much i was just watching it with more of an open mind i came to enjoy it a bit more it was kind of like alien 3 for me where when you you know a lot of fans had this reaction with alien 3 it was it was kind of disappointing at first but it aged really well you you came to appreciate it more and see see what they were really going for so while the film will always be on some level a disappointment um because i think the film had some problems where it seemed like it didn't know what it wanted to be and it set up these expectations of it was in the alien universe but it wasn't going to explore what everyone was 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 really wanting to see, at least not to a level that was satisfying. Um, I think the movie is still a very, very strong sci-fi film. I think, honestly, in my opinion, it would have been better off as a standalone film outside of the Alien universe. But I've come to appreciate it more, and I, I think it's a decent movie, and I hope that with Covenant coming out, it can, um, as, as some of the, um, I think uh, an artist in, in an interview with you, Hicks on on one of your podcasts said that it it will uh, increase the appreciation for Prometheus with some of the answers we'll get in Covenant. So I hope that's the case. And I know I've I've gone more than a few sentences on that, <laughs> but that those are my general um, opinions of the film. How do you really feel? <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> what, what about you, Andrew? Uh, to be, I mean, well, before let me preface this by saying these are the opinions of myself and not of Fox, just so that we're clear with that. This is just me, my personal commentary. Mm-hmm. Basically. It's a beautiful film. Some, it's, it's breathtaking in the way it looks. The story and the characters were mismanaged in many ways, uh, along, but they had amazing premises and ideas of where they were going. I feel like Covenant, Covenant looks like a step in the right direction towards correcting that stuff. The, the biggest, the biggest issue for me was the scientists not acting like scientists. Um, I, I know that you said the, um, the engineers were a, a letdown for you, and I, Grew up reading those alien comics where we had the engineers looking like we expected them to. Um, so I, I totally get that. But I also feel like that's why they should not be like that. You know, the, you, you should give us something we weren't expecting. Otherwise, it is just fan service in a lot of ways. Um, 
he had another story he wanted to tell, and I feel that somewhere along the line it went wrong. Um, one of the best things about the original Alien is the amount of ad lib the character, the actors did for their characters, uh, and everybody seemed very real. And none of these people actually seem very real. They seem very scripted. And you know, when you have the guy who the guy who's got the map makers gets lost, <laughs> you know, it's come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's irony, but. You know, it, it was too much. So that's that's in a nutshell for me. Kind of like the the biologist who's who's trying to touch the the hissing animal that is in a striking posture. <laughs> yes, exactly. Funny thing is, they they were the other way around in the um, in Lindelof script actually. So the the guy touching the snake was a geologist, not the uh, not the biologist. Wait, which in whose script? In Lindelof's in in the in the um, the final in quotation marks uh, script that's available online. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, well, that would have been better. Mm. There's Lindelof described himself once as um, the whipping boy of the internet. Uh, I agree. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's hard not to it's hard not to want to rag on him. But I, I recently, as in yesterday and today, was re, uh, reading his draft for the first time. Actually, I've read Spates's script several times, but never never Lindelof's. And right. there's quite a few differences in there that do are, are better than what we ended up with in the final edit of the film itself so i don't think we can pin all the blame on lindelof uh. but yeah um my opinion generally falls in line with you guys uh, i don't hate the film i would best describe it as frustrating the hell out of me um, because there's so much potential in there and there's so much well, it's, it's waste potential, I guess. Um, you know, it's a beautiful film. There's lots going for it visually. There's it's a great cast, but they don't really do anything with it. Um, it just ends up falling into stupidity about halfway through the film and never really recovering. And all the loose threads really frustrated me. You know, and I know it's you can't explain everything, and I know that some of the great stuff about Alien is the mystery surrounding the space jockey but when you do a film that's entirely sort of advertised as um answering questions and then answer your question halfway through the film and then just amble around for the rest of it it yeah it, it gets frustrating but you know like i said there's bits in it i like bits in it i don't like but overall it just it frustrates me well that's generally i think the feelings of everybody um i think one of the biggest things that are very odd about it were this this idea that it was going to be its own franchise but still connected i don't understand why that was needed um i guess it was because they wanted to make it a separate licensing issue is one way to look at it um but clearly we're back we're back to it being an alien part of the alien franchise with adding adding alien in front of it i wouldn't be surprised if in a future release of the of the blu-rays or whatnot it says alien prometheus rather than just prometheus Mm. That's that's something we like to joke about actually Oh, oh really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fully expecting that to happen at some point down the line. <laughs> I did find it kind of amusing. Um, it, um, Hicks and I recently rewatched the making of documentary of Prometheus. The um, what was Furious that called? Gods. Fire, Furious Gods. That's right. By the fantastic Charles de Lozarique. If you haven't watched it, watch it. 
yeah, it's uh, I got more satisfaction from the making of that movie than I did the movie itself. But they had some interesting interviews with Lindelof during that documentary. And one of the things that I always find amusing that he says was, what if the sequel to Prometheus was not Alien? And of course, now we're getting Covenant. So that's that's how I, I really wonder okay, Prometheus was made with the premise of it was going to be exploring its own thing in the alien universe. And now with Covenant, we're seeing those elements of Prometheus, you know, being infused right into the alien franchise. So it's yet to be seen how well that's going to work. And and I hope it does. You know, I hope it, the, the Prometheus elements uh, make Covenant more interesting and Covenant makes Prometheus more uh accepted film alien covenant seems to me to be prometheus take two you know anybody who's read the john spates's um script anybody who's looked at the concept art of of prometheus will see those discarded elements there in in covenant and it feels almost like they are trying to go back to the alien elements that they threw out because Ridley thought the alien was done. How did he say it? It was like the the beast is cooked or something like that. And they they're going back to alien as I fear it's not a I fear it's not an overcompensation because it seems to be the only criticism they they talk about in regards of Prometheus. Um, you know, it wasn't successful because it wasn't aliens. So we'll fix it by giving you aliens in the next one. You know, there was a quote from Scott. It's probably tongue-in-cheek in the end of it, but, you know, it's it's written like he says something to the effects of, um, they want aliens, I'll give them fucking aliens. <laughs> and that, that, I think that's from the set reports. But I, just, I, I hope, as we're going to get into, you know, that there's there are problems with Prometheus that are not due to the lack of alien. So ho- hopefully that isn't where they've the only thing they've picked up from from Prometheus. Well, that's, that's the thing with, with Ridley Scott. I think... And again, this is just my view. I think he's more of an artist than a storyteller. He knows how to how to create a world, and he does that, you know, with amazing skill. But often, how well his movies end up is it comes down to the script that he's given. So, and that's that's going to be how it is with Covenant. The problems with Prometheus were its story, I think, oh. its screenwriting, um, its characters. So, you know, Scott has never made a bad looking movie. Covenant is going to look incredible. So I just hope he was given a skip uh, script to work with this time. That's that's going to really satisfy fans and newcomers alike. I'm hoping for the same. Uh, Shall we we steer back onto Prometheus, though? Um, (laughs) The good and the bad. I think we'll leave story to a little bit later. Let's start on a a very even note of um, good and bad. And that is characters. So I think I think that's a, a pretty good place where you can see things that Prometheus did incredibly well and uh-huh. incredibly bad. Obviously, the the absolute star of the show is Fazbender as David. Yes. Uh, anybody who's listened to us talk Prometheus or talk about Alien Engineers will know that that's one of the things that I think that Prometheus did a hell of a lot better than Spates wrote it as. You know. He was very Bond villain-esque in, in Spates' script. But Lindelof and Fazbender, probably more Fazbender, really, really made David fucking really interesting and probably one of the best characters out of the series, I think. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, Dave, David's fantastic. They, 
that, that's one of the things that I have that that is such an issue with discussing Prometheus is because David he just shines. He's uh, you know Bishop was the best android we had before then, but David is just his childlike and and the his uh, portrayal is fantastic. The only problem that I have with David is that towards the end he seems like he's just become malicious for malicious sake. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it could have been explained, like we could have seen his arc a little bit better. It almost feels like there's just a, a flip, a switch is flipped. It's, all, it's almost when Wayland seems to come out, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a real jerk move to put the the Black Ooze stuff into, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Holloway. <laughs> Holloway. Holloway's, Holloway's drink, I mean, seriously. But I can understand why he would do that, because he's just wanted to see what would happen. You know, that, that kind of makes sense for his character. Mm. Um but then later on, he just seems to be very malicious in his attitudes. There is that odd quote where he's he says to Shot, "Doesn't everyone want their parents dead?" Yeah, and I, I thought it was interesting, but it was a bit I don't know, like you said, malicious. It was scripted as "Doesn't everybody hate their parents?" Which makes more sense. Hmm. And I'm sure it's something everybody can identify with at some point in their friggin' lives, especially as David's supposed to be, supposed to be childlike, isn't he? You know, is is. Who who here hasn't fallen out with their parents when they're teenagers or said something like "I hate you"? Right, exactly. But I don't know if I've gone around wishing my parents were dead. I mean, no, exactly. I'm sure I wish that, but <laughs> so that, that's what I mean. I mean, it, it was something that was it was scripted a little better than it ended up in the final edit. And yeah, it completely seems out of place and out of blue. And there's just so many little bits in 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 the film that just sort of what, what? <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, you know, Fazbender really, really stole the show. You know, he's, he's something that a lot of people, you know, you do talk about Prometheus and it is going to be something somebody goes, yeah, David rocked. Um, you know, even if he did get really sort of weird towards the end of it. Um, and he, he, he stole the show from Shaw, you know, that this was supposed to be her film. And she's one of the things that I do sort of find frustrating as well. And I think that's probably more because of her dogged views. Um, yeah, the the film's just full of um, it's, it's creationism, isn't it? The film is 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 about that, and it's about religion. And I found her frustrating because she's presented with you know this evidence of her creators, and she still refuses to you know let go of her belief um, that there's something something more out there. Other than that, I I actually found myself quite liking her in 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 the rewatches. Um, obviously in in preparation for this, I've rewatched the film, and you know another bit of research and whatever. And I was surprised how much I I actually ended up liking Numi Rapace in 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 the rewatch because I I never really took much away from her. How did you guys feel about Numi and and Shaw? Um, I I thought she I thought as an actress she was great. Um. I, again, I, I feel like she was underdeveloped. Um, <clears throat> Holloway is my major problem um, in regards to them. He doesn't feel like a scientist. I don't understand why she loves him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, there, there, there's nothing really presented. But I can understand, like the the, the Christianity angle. Like I can understand. I, I like the whole thing with her beliefs, and then David taking the the necklace. And um, I thought she portrayed a very strong character. As much as the material allowed it, um, the also the, well, I won't get into that scene yet. But I, I, at some point, we need to talk about the C-section scene. A fantastic scene, actually. I thought. Yes. 
Yes, yes. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I liked her immediately. I liked David immediately. Oh my gosh, I, I'm blanking on names. How, how what a terrible franchise consultant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the captain of the ship. Uh, Yannick. Yannick, thank you. Wow. Okay, so yes, no, and Yannick, I liked them immediately. Nobody else was really likable. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think everybody else feels almost like non-entities, though, as well. You know, the Vickers, we're not supposed to like Vickers, but... Um... But actually, you know, I didn't even think about that, but it, we don't like her, but it's good that we don't like her. Mm, like exactly. you said, we're supposed to not like her. You know, she was good also. I had forgotten about that. I think I think the film had a great cast. You know, all the all the all the big players are, you know, fantastic actors. Um, obviously, Numi come out of um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Fantastic films, fantastic performance. Fazbender, I think I'd only seen in X Men prior to that, but oh, in Three Hundred. But he's you barely ever notice him in Three Hundred. He's only a bit part in that, isn't he? Realize he was in that. Yeah, he's he's one of them. I I, I couldn't tell you any more than that. Um, when did uh, Glorious Bastards come out? Oh god, yeah, that was that was before, not long before, I don't think. Um, I forgot he was in that. It was fantastic in that. Uh, oh, no. Inglorious Bastards. Two thousand nine, so a good few years before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for, for me it was X Men. I proper had a man crush on him after um, after the <laughs> Argent- Argentina scene in in <laughs> in first class. Mm-hmm. Idris Elba, he's cracking actor Charlie's Theron as well I mean even even some of the smaller um, the smaller roles what's her name Katie Dick is it Katie Dick uh, Ford um, the the one who's in Game of Thrones um, you know she's she's a good actress as well but everybody just nobody really seemed to have much going for them character wise in the film other than other than David and Shaw and there was this forced ambiguity over Vickers, which I think was completely constructed in post, um, in you know, in all the promotion of them trying to sort of push maybe she's this mysterious android kind of thing. Yeah, it was it was a bit strange with Vickers how they play up the fact that she's Wayland's daughter. You know, she's the heiress to the Wayland Corporation, and then she's just crushed by the ship rolling. So I, I wondered how much of that was, was really necessary. I thought Charlize Theron did a great job as the character, and I, I would have, you know, like you've said, I would have liked to have seen her more developed as a character. Um, the deleted scenes of the film, I thought, helped with that. At least most of them did. I think all except for the extended scene of, of Holloway drunk in the cabin with Shaw. Uh-huh. Um, all the scenes besides that one would have really added to the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the scene where Yannick uh, kind of gives us more of his past, as well as the, the engineer speaking, as well as the final conflict between Shaw, where she has the axe and she's fighting the engineer. I think all of those scenes would have made the movie more dynamic, personally. I, I thought the scene where there was more of a fight between her and Holloway, um, where he was drunk, and he says something about her father, and she starts slapping him. I thought that was was out of place. I'm glad they left that out, because like you were saying, it was hard to believe. Like, I didn't buy their relationship, that these two people with completely different philosophies would, would be together. So that, that made it even less believable. So I'm glad they did leave that, that part out. I have a problem with the scientist who's like, hey, babe, 
anyway, I mean, it, it didn't fit her. She was just so, just personality-wise, aside from the, I mean, well, aside from the philosophy-wise, which you're obviously right on, just the way he talked, the way everything, I mean, I suppose you see couples when you're like, why the hell are they together? But that scene that you're talking about made me hate him so much. Mm. If that was in the movie, I would have just been so happy when he started to <laughs> get turned into the monster he was becoming. Yeah. Which is probably why they cut that, actually. I, I have to agree with you guys. It was just, it seemed so out of place. And it, I mean, Holloway himself seems to just take a turn, you know, towards the middle of the film anyway. That's, it, it was unexpected. I, you know, I, I don't understand. No, I understand why he would have started getting all disappointed that the engineers were dead. But there's absolutely no lead up as to him expecting them not to be. At the end of the day, regardless of whether the engineers are alive or not, it's a massive fucking discovery for them. It's, it's huge. In the deleted scenes, he specifically talks about um, wanting to prove religion wrong. You know, them being dead, it, it doesn't matter because it's still there's still the evidence there. You know, the, the DNA um, matching 100% or whatever it was. Um, you know, that, that, that was supporting evidence for it. There's literally no sort of leading for his turn of um his turn towards depression or anything like that well did you watch the um the test shoots with they had a different actor play holloway but it was the initial test shoots for numi rapace and it was a bit more of an expanded scene where he's disappointed and he talks about oh it's going to be harder to disprove religion with a bunch of fossils you know it won't be enough proof so that was kind of interesting to see with those initial test scenes that were a bit more expansive on that but yeah, his his disappointment was a bit like, I mean, come on, really? Like for a scientist that had just made the ultimate discovery. And even Shaw says, you know, we don't know if they're all dead. We just got here. This There's no evidence that this was their home world. So the fact that he was so disappointed wasn't very believable for someone who's playing a scientist. Plus, it was like thousands and thousands of year old clues that led you there. I mean, it's a very good chance that whatever was alive then is no longer alive now. What, what would they expect? Um, should we talk about the scientists not behaving like scientists? Because <laughs> I'm sure that is a massive bugbear for so many people. Yeah, um, when you have the guy who has, who has the mapping uh, drones unable to find his way, uh, and you have the, the, I think one of you had mentioned the biologist who uh, thinks it's smart to play with the, the snake that's in a striking pose. It, it it just it throws you out completely, and you're just sitting there thinking these people are dumb. And I, I I don't know if it was an intentional thing to make us feel like a horror film when you're just waiting for the dumb guys to get killed. Um, but the original Alien wasn't like that, and I I I, I kind of hate comparing it to it because I actually want it to be a different thing. Uh. Um, you know, but I still want the characters to be believable. The fact that we have scientists in the first place makes it different than both of the previous well, Alien and Aliens. And actually, most of them. So we should have felt they're still they could have screwed up everything by actually following scientific um, principles and still made mistakes with it. You know, um, it, it could have been put in a slant where the regular everyday guy wouldn't have gotten into this trouble. But because they're a scientist, they oops, got themselves into the trouble. It was a manufactured threat. It felt like. Hmm. I don't know if you saw the movie uh, Life lately, but I thought that was a sci fi film that did a really good job 
as far as making us believe that the the characters were scientists and astronauts and they were still you know screwing up along the way what movie uh life it just came out with um it's it's kind of a, a bit of an alien knockoff it's it's a sci-fi horror film on the international space station it has uh ryan reynolds and jake gyllenhaal right i wanted to see that so you think it's, it's good yeah it's it's worth seeing i i enjoyed it really good production design and and there's weightlessness through the whole movie i i don't know how they how they did that but it was very convincing how do you feel about the uh, scientists ridged up because i know there's something in there that you fucking hate when it comes to sign the scientists I mean, the most obvious example is where he takes off his helmet. I don't have as much of a problem with that now because you can hear um, whoever's in his headset like, don't remove your helmet. And I guess we're we're just supposed to take it as this character is reckless. And that's just who he is. You know, it's something we talked about when we talked about the Covenant, the Covenant trailer and them not wearing protective gear as well. And I, it's probably not going to be enough for you. But for me, there's there is a bit of line of dialogue where they do talk about, you know, the, the air. Um, obviously, they don't mention you know toxins or um, uh, viruses or whatever, and that's while ultimately it is that kind of thing that ends up kicking off the fuss. You know, it's not them getting infected from breathing the air. Um, so I sort of I sort of brought that. It is in Covenant, though, isn't it? Uh, through the ears and the mouth, yeah. <laughs> but again, even if, even in Covenant, as long as there was a line that sort of like scientist guys boop 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 on the computer, you know. We're not detecting anything. That'd be enough for me. Did you see Arrival? Uh, yes, yes. That, that, I know, haven't that's seen it yet. So a very smart too. film, and you know, yeah, they they follow that kind of thing in there as well, don't they? They take their they take their uh, costumes off, and they're getting yelled at for doing it. And but I believe those characters. I believe because they're they they're they're just trying to get they're taking that risk for science to mm. try to get to the bottom of this. Um, I, Holloway. I didn't feel like that's what he was doing. Just being, just being reckless. Yeah, yeah. It goes beyond just the scientist too. I thought it was strange seeing Yannick when he was talking to Milburn and Fifield, who were panicking in this alien pyramid structure, and he was like, "Oh, you know, I saw life form. Now it's gone. Okay, now I'm gonna go get some action. Uh, good <laughs> luck, guys." And it was like, "Really? Like the the captain of the ship is just gonna do that?" So I, I thought that was a bit strange. It just seemed like, considering the the scale of the operation that was going on, that they were there was a lot of nonchalant, I guess, actions of of the people there. Everybody just seemed to be doing silly things just to move the plot along. You know, which is one of the worst crimes that you can have for a film or a book or a comic or whatever is just people being stupid to move the story along. Right. A problem that you know I didn't even realize until my last viewing was. There's so many assumptions on behalf of everybody. For example, Yannick decides that um, he's willing to, you know, lay his life down to destroy the derelict, despite none of them actually knowing for sure that the black goo is what's responsible for any of this. You know, nobody knows, although Shaw might suspect David did something, nobody knows that David infected Holloway with the black goo. Nobody knows that's what caused him to mutate. That's... I suppose, well, no, because in, in the final court, we don't even see the centipedes mutate into the hammerpedes. So as far as they're concerned, they're just some creatures that happen to be in there. How did they get there, by the way? Because I've heard a number of things of that, like they track them in or something. 
Yeah, it's basically supposed to be what it is. They find some bugs, flatworms, whatever, um, in the room with the the tunnel where the air's coming, where the light's coming through and the water's coming through, and they decide to take the helmets off. Oh yeah, they cut a scene out with that too, where Milburn finds a little proto life form or something, and he tracks, or well, one of them tracks them into the headroom, and I think there's a think there was a brief shot of you seeing them come off the boots and go into the goo that was caught. Look at this amazing life form we found on another planet. Let's just step on it and take it to the other <laughs> room. <laughs> at least in the deleted scene, you know, um, Milburn was actually really excited and everybody in the deleted scene, everybody was like, awesome. You know, this is cool. But, you know, as you got further on into the film and that scene was cut, nobody, nobody really seemed to be excited about all these fucking awesome discoveries they were making. But yeah, so, you know, there's, there was assumptions about all this goo going off and Yannick deciding that there's, there's a great scene between him and... Um, no, no, that wasn't... It, it's a scene later on between him and Shaw where he's going on about it being a weapon installation. And he has no reason to assume that based on what they've seen. Obviously it is, but he shouldn't know yeah. that. It's a leap. That irritated me, actually. That everybody Everybody assumed the right thing, even though they the character shouldn't have known. Well, another thing that was strange was in the the head chamber, the ampules were so sensitive to the atmosphere changing. You know, they started oozing out. However, David just freezes one and he's able to take it back to the ship, open it up and look at ones inside it. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't that start boiling? I mean, obviously it's come to room temperature as he's examining it. So I don't know if that was just a testing environment where the room itself activated the ampules when something changed, but the fact that they were so unpredictable in terms of, or or I guess just sensitive to environmental changes, but David could just take one back and open it up and nothing would happen. If Um, the room had been like vacuum sealed or something like, like almost like there was no air in there at all. And by them opening it, they all the air rushed in. You know that would have that would have helped us to understand. Like these things were so delicate, they had to be stored in a in a vacuum. I suppose that's they sort of try and imply that. I mean, in in the Lost scripts, he makes that quite explicit. Actually, that that is the intent. But so it's in the script, but not. Yeah, of course. They make a big deal out of um, you know Shaw in the film tells him not to open the room, but in the script it's don't open the room, atmospheric changes, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, they, they make a point of it in the script. And the film sort of implies it, I guess, you know, when they're talking about um, when when the goo actually starts to come out and, you know, Shaw's like, oh, this is the atmospheric changes. But it's, it's so offhanded, I think, that you don't, you don't really pick up on it. Right. So, black goo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That is best described, I think, as the magical MacGuffin. And I think that is probably one of the other problems I have with the film is that it does whatever the fuck they want it to do and they, the filmmakers don't necessarily know what they want it to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody ever felt that way as well. The alien life cycle, there was, there was a real logic to it, you know, and I felt that with the black goo, it was just everything seemed so arbitrary and convenient. Like Shaw gets infected by, or sorry, Holloway gets infected by a drop, has sex with Shaw. She's pregnant, even though she's an, incapable of being pregnant. And that gives birth to 
a larger facehugger type creature that impregnates the engineer and then we have the deacon and there's no logic to any of that it's it's all just arbitrary so the black goo i mean I, I really hope they go into it more. And, and sorry, I know I keep steering this towards Covenant, but I think that with Prometheus, it's it's a trope of movies. And, and this was a problem I had with The Force Awakens as well as so many movies these days uh, leave their answers to the sequel. And I think that's a problem. I mean, of course, you can have some mystery. And of course, you you don't want to answer everything, especially if it's planned as, as a multi-movie series. But you can't leave critical plot points and explanations to just be explained away in a future film. And I think that was a failing of Prometheus, is there were these big question marks in the movie that were, it seemed intended to just, well, we'll answer this if and when we get to the sequel. You need, to, you need to make these films, if you're planning on doing multiple films in a franchise, they need to be made like an onion. Um, with We find a certain layer of the truth and another layer of the truth. And the thing is, is that the next layer should should activate the next question. So it, 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 you go into the movie with Prometheus and you're, you're, you're like, well, there's all this weird stuff and I still don't know what just happened at the end. That's the problem with it. The, like, if we had seen... If, if there was what we thought were rules for the goo and we saw those rules, mm. then at the end we see, wait a minute, why did it do something different this time? Then there's your sequel. Yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking of as basic as possibly I can, but it was just like anything goes from the beginning. And that's the problem. Mm. I think it's because they didn't know what they wanted it to do either. If oh, that's the impression I got, you know, Ridley was <laughs> like, like Ridgetop said, he's not a storyteller. He's not, a, you know, he's not a, he's not a writer. And a lot of, a lot of the problems for both Spates and Lindelof seem to be just throw ideas at them, and they'd sort of have to incorporate it in there, right? Without necessarily having it fully explained. You know, the the amount of times he has changed what he thinks about. The space jockey over the years of the um you know between alien and, and and prometheus you know he he changes his mind so often and it's something the crew talk about in in the prometheus documentary as well you know it it he can just change direction he can see something on the day and expect people to be fit you know to to make that work and that feels a lot like what happened with black goo as well you know Lindelof says Scott tells him to make it ambiguous and Lindelof saying are you sure this is what people hate me for and (laughs) (laughs) Scott's like yeah just ambiguity you know Prometheus wraps itself around the question of you know who are who are the engineers and you know did they make us who are the space jockeys and the film answers that halfway through. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the 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 marketing pretty much told you what was gonna what it was, and then it just throws a ton of other questions at you. And again, you know, that's cool. You know, Alien didn't tell us what the space jockey was, but Alien wasn't framed around being you know or the the film that had explained it all to you, and. <laughs> We then get given this this other question of the the, the space jock the engineers made us yeah cool that's answered 
but for some reason they also want to destroy us. And we're building up all the way towards that last moment where we get the live engineer and everybody's saying, you know, I think Wayland in one of them, the script, the film, I can't remember which, I've read that much lately that it's all just sort of played together, um, says something to the effect of, don't you want to come and find out your answers? And we get there and in, in, in the released version, dude just fucking flips out and kills everyone. <laughs> He's left with all these lingering lingering questions that particular one the film sort of looked like it was going to tell you um and you have all these questions about how the goo works and i mean it seems to every every instance of that goo seems to change in in the film you know just based on what seems to need to happen you know whether the engineer actually was drinking it at the start it seemed to be some sort of substance like that and that caused one reaction um, it caused a different reaction in in the in the uh, flatworms, different reaction with Firefield, different reaction with Hol- Holloway. The black goo sperm caused a different reaction with you know you know it's just that was another thing with the hammerpeed is when it gets inside uh, Milburn's suit and you know slithers down his throat and then pops out later. It's like well why did it do that? You know what was the purpose of that? There's there's just no logic to it. And that was the thing with Alien is that although there was a great deal of mystery, everything that the story hinged upon made sense. Whereas Prometheus, the biggest plot points of the story are left unexplained. And I find that so, so incredibly frustrating. You know, there's, that's my, that is my biggest problem with the film. It's just, you know, for for something that's framed around answering questions, the one that it does answer is the one that we all knew going into it, and we all knew from the marketing. So, yeah, it was funny on the Blu-ray. They they the tagline was "Questions will be answered," and then the movie <laughs> ends with Shaw going, "I'm still searching," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, the audience is too. We're trying to figure out what all that was about." <sighs> It begs me deflated just talking about it, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to say, Hicks, you, you were saying we weren't going to turn this into a bash fest. But, I mean, there is a lot of... The movie's strengths come from the visual department, the production design, the the, the emphasis on practical effects. And that's why the, the making of features of this movie and even the, the art, the concept art for this oh, movie was so much unbelievable. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's a story in its own right, all the, um, all the development of this film. So that those are the strengths. It is it is the most beautiful disappointment of a movie I've ever seen. <laughs> my actually, probably one of my favorite visual scenes in the entire series is in Prometheus, and that is that absolutely gorgeous Ori scene. Simply, I think, I mean, the, the funeral from Alien Three is probably my best overall scene, but the Ori scene is just it it blew my mind actually. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. How, how do you feel about the, the the visuals in this? How do you think you know it, how it how it looks, Andrew? It, it it's beautiful. Um, every 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 aspect of the film is beautiful. There's nothing, there, and the only thing that I would say was a misstep in regards to looks is I really liked the look of uh, I felt the way he was supposed to be, as opposed to the zombie one we got the, the CGI the wider one. version. <clears throat> yeah, I mean because that's. That's creepy, and you know, with the elongated arms and him leaping around and doing all that stuff, that was that was terrifying to me. The mm. zombie guy, not so much. 
It's because I liked it better when they were sort of implying that the black goo was... I mean, the, f- the film puts it across anyway, but, you know, everything seems to turn into something kind of alien-related. Right. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the flatworms look like a facehugger, also look like a chestburster. You know, the, the trailer bike functions like a facehugger and we get an alien-like creature as a result of it. You know, it's originally described as Firefield looking more alien. You know, he starts to have an elongated head, um, like the wetter version. And I liked, I liked that a lot better, like you did. And yeah. it, it would have... I think it would have gave a bit more consistency to the goo as well. I feel like that they were afraid that people weren't going to get it, it was Fifeld. But as far as I'm concerned, he's wearing Fifeld's spacesuit. And I don't remember if they had them or not, but they could have, if they didn't, they could have just had people's name tags on the spacesuit. So no one's going to think this alien put on Fifeld's ripped up spacesuit. You're going to think, I would think that he became this, you know? Well, there was also the head tattoo as well. I mean, that that's probably pretty much why they did, gave him such an identifying feature. Right. Um, so, right. You know, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I'm totally with you. I think as far as the black goo goes, uh, the comics did a good job of exploring that a little bit. They they named it the accelerant, and they they showed that it could actually affect the aliens as well. Like at one point in the the Fire and Stone comic cycle, you see the Queen Alien get infected with the black goo, and so I thought that was interesting, and it, it kind of fleshed out the idea of okay, this is some like primordial kickstarter thing for life i guess if the black goo affects things that have already been sort of created by the black goo then those hammerpeeds swimming around in the black goo were constantly changing and that's where it doesn't make sense <laughs> like <laughs> you you wonder okay are the are the xenomorphs as we know them made from this substance and are we because i mean we see that the engineer at the beginning of the movie drink what is assumed to be the same substance and disintegrate and uh turn into life on what may or may not be earth as was said in the the special features Uh, so yeah it's it's just this mystery substance that creates everything and it has no rules and it it does seem to be playing uh, you know a, a big part in in covenant as well you know, it is one of the loose threads that they do need to tie up, and it is something that they do seem to be playing with. But it also seems to be doing different things again. You know, um, in the in the cinema CinemaCon footage, you find out that David David bombs the engineers with the accelerant, and we get a completely new result where it seems to you know mummify everybody. There's no no breaking down, no turning into random monsters. They're just sort of petrified. But then they all, that also seems to play a part in the creation of the, the Neomorphs, as, as they are. So I, do, I just want Scott and Logan and... Um, what's his face? Who's the other guy? Um, fucking hell, I can't think of his name now. Who's the new guy, Ridgetop? Uh, what you're gonna have to give me more of a hint than that. Uh, the the other the other credited writer. Um. Oh, for Covenant. Yeah, not 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 Green or um not Green or Palgan, the other one. Dante Harper, that's it. Um, you know, I want Scott and I want Logan and I want Dante Harper to know what they're doing and I want them to know what all this stuff does, 
so it doesn't all seem so random down the line. <sighs> so I'm so sorry if it winds me up so much, <laughs> and I didn't want to get like that. Fortunately, it seems like it's inevitable <clears throat> when discussing this film, um, because I, the, the, if you were to describe it in one word, it's frustrating. Um, but if you want to, you want to turn this around. Let's talk about some cool stuff from it, like the um, C-section scene. Hell yes. <laughs> you know what? I think I think it was said somewhere that that was pretty much what sold um, folk on on Spates' script in the same way that the chest bursting scene is what sold um, Hill and Guyler and that on on Alien. Right. I I loved it in I loved it in Spates' script, and that is I'd still like to see something like that where it's actual chest burster. But fucking hell, yeah. The 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 finished uh, sequence was just so. It was it was it was so alien without actually being alien, you know. It was body horror, and it was, um, it it was perversion of of body and. I was gripping my seat and pushing myself in the back of the seat. You know, it was just like couldn't look away, but I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Mm. And any anything that if you when you know you're in sitting in a movie theater watching something, if you and you're as jaded as older fans are, if you can feel that, then the movie succeeded on that level for sure. Mm. It was so visceral as well, without being gore porn as well. I have a mm-hmm. I have a huge problem with um, films like Saw. Me too. Doesn't help. I'm insanely squeamish as well. Yeah, I love that shit. Yeah, I know you do, you freak. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand it. I'm sorry. We've got a fan of the. Though uh, you like the belly bursting stuff. Um, the belly burster stuff was okay. I mean, I do like AVPR because it reminded Ooh. me, and and I'm gonna make this short. Okay, I promise. It reminded me of the old, like, alien invasion, small town America stuff, like the blob, you know. I live in in Utah, which is very similar to Colorado as far as nature goes and environment. So it was kind of a fanboy, like, oh, my God, aliens and predators are coming here and fucking shit up. And this is awesome. So it was I don't know. It was it was just a nerdy, cool concept. I could see everyone's problems with it. And I know the movie failed on so many levels, but it was just kind of a treat for me, I guess. <laughs> I've heard this thing about the, you know, the 50s shock movie before, and I, I love plenty of those movies. But it just feels like Alien vs. Predator did not belong in that yeah. environment. If you wanted to take that idea, actually, kind of isn't that what um, the original comic series was for Alien vs. Predator? If, if we saw a future little town on some colony somewhere... Not mm-hmm. like aliens colony, but like you know, like a like like a small town suburbia on some on some other planet, or even on Earth of the future. It would have been more believable to me. The idea that you know the the, the alien swimming swimming through the pool to get to the other side, and it it, it, it felt like camp. Um, <laughs> plus, that movie made use of. I know we're not supposed to be talking about this movie, but that movie made use of so many um, tropes from the previous films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the helicopter escaping the nuclear explosion at the end. When the armored personnel carrier comes into town, you hear that hint of the music from Aliens. You know it it, it it's it's a uh, it's hey remember this you like this franchise because of this. Mm. That yeah. whole film is nothing but fan service. I I did love Brian Tyler's score though. It was a really good greatest hits compilation. <laughs> I thought. Yeah, that, that I'll agree with. I do actually quite frequently listen to Brian Tyler's AVPR score, just because I think it's the only, it's the only circumstance where you know everything all sort of melded together nicely. I I also feel like, um, and I you know that that film is against women, 
there's a lot of terrible things done to women in that with it, and the, the whole the whole thing making people pregnant by shoving stuff down their throat. But like, I mean, yeah, Alien. You say that's the same way, but no, it's not. This was this was terrible. I'm sorry. The belly bursters, right? That's what they're called. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, this was terrible. I'm sorry. That was <laughs> that was just shock value. What they were aiming yep. for, and he's just for you know the normal people. I'm looking at you, Rich Top. And, and again, that's what it reminded me of. It was the trashy, grindhouse, gory, just debaucherous movies. And and again, I like that shit. So <laughs> it's not what we wanted. That's that's true. I, I listen. I would love nothing more than an Alien versus Predator movie in the future that everybody wants, where it's Colonial Marines and aliens and predators. That's the way to go. Fox, we still want that. <laughs> uh, but Ridgetop, what did you think of the Caesarean then? Listen, I had one problem with it, and it's very, very minor. It's very nitpicky. It was when she comes up to the machine, and it says this is calibrated for male patients only. And it's like, well, f- obviously this was Vickers' pod too. Like, why would that be the case? It just seems weird that the most advanced medical pod ever would just be like, oh, this only works for males only. It was like, okay, but, but uh, I'm sorry. Again, I keep I keep doing that. Oh no, no, no worries. Go ahead. They could have given it like a passcode if they wanted to heighten the tension there instead. Like you can only enter with a passcode, and then you had to trick it with some kind of emergency to make it override the passcode. I think it yeah. was more a case of it being foreshadowing uh, for Wayland, Wayland than anything else. And the scene was, you know, it was the most visceral scene of the whole movie, and really well executed, very realistic. Um seeing the horror of this woman who's always wanted to have a child but has been physically unable to just have this most horrifying experience of giving birth to this creature that's terrible and that she wants nothing more than to just escape from and get out of there. So it it really turned her desire on its head in a horrifying way, and I thought the scene was very effective. And the concept of this advanced surgical pod was, I I thought, a good contribution to the franchise. They they use that in... Uh, one of the novels uh, by Tim Levin, Out of the Shadows, yeah, yeah. where it actually kills someone. The pod is, is sabotaged and it just rips someone apart. I love that in the book. I thought that was great. But th- those were pretty much all my thoughts. It was a great scene. I, it was one of the stronger scenes. And I think Numi was really good in, in her acting as well. You know, she's so terrified. And I, I brought it so much. Like like you, Andrew, you know, I was I was sat there like... Ugh, ugh. You know, trying to... I, I want to watch, but I don't want to watch. And, and that, that was pretty much how I always was for the... Um, until I, you know, grew up and got a little bit more jaded to it. You know, that was how I was to the uh, the chestburster scene and the stuff that sort of made me really into the film. Right, and, and so and so that that is like a defining moment for for an Alien franchise thing. I mean, you know, that, the chestburster... I don't know if they're going to be able to top that in Covenant, but I'm sure they're going to try They'll give it a good go with the backburster. Yeah. My only problem with that scene, with the C-section scene, um, is not the scene itself. It's what happens after it. Them forgetting all about it. Yeah, I mean, they use they use metal staples on her. And she just stumbles out of the corridor, and then she's running around and jumping as the hangar doors are opening in the ground, and she whacks her torso on one of them when she, you know, because she doesn't make the jump right, and all this stuff. And it's just like, no, I'm sorry internal hemorrhaging you're gone see that's why she's not in covenant and she's repelling too yeah in science fiction it's really easy to cover that crap i mean 
they could have closed it up with a laser mm. or or they could have you know they they could have uh they could have even have her like when she when she gets out she could have passed out in the hallway or something and then she wakes up and two weeks have passed and now um Wayland's being woken up we don't, there was no reason why Willie need, needed to be woken up at that exact moment it, it it could still been the next moment for her and for the audience but let's pretend some time has passed or let's have some kind of sci-fi medical reason why you're not shredding yourself when you're walking around when you have metal staples in you it it, it it's you had this really awesome scene and then i my my suspension of disbelief was gone for the rest of it because all i could keep thinking about was her bleeding <laughs> and and not only that but when she walks into the room with with Waylon there and everyone there it's not like you know what the hell happened in there it's just oh you're back yeah they forget you know? about her completely with it totally like, like, like they forget that scene totally happened it, it no one questions what happened. No one thinks to go look at the creature that's in the that's in the med bay. It did get brought up in one of the deleted scenes. I think there was an extended scene between Vicar and Vickers and Wayland, and there's just some sort of offhanded comment about that thing next door. But that's okay. That's that would have been cool. And hearing it banging against the walls and stuff would have added to the tension. Mm. Mm. So that would have been nice. And like like you were saying earlier with with the um, with her passing out, you know, Spates' original script has her passing out in in the um, rather than her escaping the the med pod, she the 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 chest burst is thrown out, evicted, whatever, and she passes out inside inside the med pod, and you sort of get these like time lapse scenes of her coming into consciousness again and seeing the alien growing. Right, I totally forgot about that. That was in that was in the engineer script. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was an engineers and um, what was the next one called? Origins, I think it was. So it, it was another one of those things where it made sense beforehand, but for whatever reason, it just got butchered in the final, you know, the final court. And I can't, I can't remember how it was in Lindelof. I literally just read it, and I can't remember how it was. But you know, there's so much that it just seemed to get convoluted at some point, or just stripped away for no understandable reason. We're near Wayland now, aren't we? What about Wayland's inclusion? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm guessing from that laugh that you think it's as daft as we probably think it is. <laughs> like the, the whole, why bother to do this old man makeup thing and then don't have any reason for it in the film? Hmm. Like, I know they did the TED Talks thing, but you could have had another actor play him for that. Like, it, it just felt like there would needed to be a reason for this. I had assumed that the black goo was going to make him young. And then turn him into something else, you know, and that's why they 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 did this. Um, but it just seems, and the makeup wasn't very good. I've seen much better old people makeup. If I remember rightly, it was because they did intend to have him in a scene in the middle of the film where it would have been out of place. And I'm glad it's cut, but I, I I'm pretty sure this is the reason why they cast him. Um, David, you know, when you see David come out and Vickers confronts him and she says, "What did he say?" There was supposed to be a scene where he, you did see him communicating with Wayland in his dreams, and he would be this thirty-something guy on this luxury boat, surrounded by um, bikinied women. And I, <laughs> I, I, I am going to rag on, I am going to rag on uh, Lindelof right now because throughout his script, he goes on about how sexy everybody is, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this particular scene as it's scripted there's something along the lines of it is hot as fuck all these bikinied women are so, no no shaking my head <laughs> yeah yeah pretty sure that's why 
they hired the young uh, Guy Pierce um, because they had intended to do that, but it got it got cut. Thankfully, so because it would have seemed out out of place to me. I think I don't know. It might have tied it together more with the viral material where you see his TED Talk stuff. To just see him as his younger self at one point in the movie, I think, might have helped. But what about him actually being there? What about this massive surprise reveal that the dude's on there? You know, what what did you think about that? Were you really surprised? <laughs> <laughs> it's another one of those things where it made sense before. Um, so... I didn't want to talk about John Spates' script too much, but it always comes back to it because so many of the issues were solved. Um, you know, I was saying earlier about how I found Shaw frustrating because of her faith. So, you know, early on in the briefing scene, they're talking about um, about the engineers, and Shaw says, you know, they engineered Hawes, Milburn, or Firefield. I can't remember which one. Says, how do you know that? And she says, it's what I choose to believe. You know. Uh, supposed to be an echo back to that dream but prometheus as it as it was released there's is no evidence to outside of these drawings that support them support their beliefs and john spates's script had um you know th- there was a, a meeting between them and Wayland, and they bring up all this evidence they've got you know jumps uh, advances in the human genome which i think is actually there's some um scientific reason where that's to do with um, changes in severe changes in you know the um in the climate at times and stuff like that but they present it as being visitations um and coinciding with visits that they've somehow also got evidence for i can't remember the full details of it but they convince wayland that you know these guys are responsible for advances in human dna and advances in human culture and that Wayland that's had that evidence, I could believe thinking maybe these guys can fix me. I find Guy Pierce's Wayland, Lindelof's Wayland's motivations. Um, I don't find his motivations flimsy. I find his reasonings flimsy for coming on board. You know, the the idea of him wanting to find his makers to try and get more life. You know, it's it's a cool idea. It's a nice sort of um, flip of. Um, of Blade Runner, you know, another Ridley Scott thematic stuff. But I didn't buy it in in Prometheus as it was released. I didn't buy that this guy should have had that confidence to spend his last couple of days and his fortune on this flimsy idea that the engineers were responsible for us. Well, I think, and I'm sorry to bring up APP again, guys, but... I think I made an interesting comparison personally between this Wayland and the Wayland we saw in AVP. Who's and, and again, the, this is just a little tangent here, but the similarities between Prometheus and AVP, for as much as really hates AVP, is pretty surprising. I mean, you have old dying man Wayland. Uh, they're on the ship. They have the briefing scene with all the ancient cultures, and they go to the pyramid and the movie ends with the hybrid creature coming out for the last shot. There was there was a lot of narrative similarities. And with Wayland in AVP, I thought Lance Henriksen's interpretation was much more likable. And, and even that goes to his motivations as well. Like he just wanted to make a difference and have one last adventure and make this discovery. Whereas the one in Prometheus, he was just completely selfish, wanted to be immortal, wanted to be a god. 
which may or may not have been the reason the, the engineer ultimately killed him in the end. Um, so yeah, I, I did not like the Wayland character in this at all. I thought he was poorly developed. He just seemed like they, they kind of went like, well, let's take, you know, um, Oh God. And now I'm blanking. Who's the, um, the guy who owns Tesla, Elon Musk, Elon Musk. Yeah. They, they pretty much just said, well, let's make Elon Musk be Wayland, you know? So I, I think they should have developed him a bit more and, and made his motivations a little less one dimensional, a little less selfish. How about you, Andrew? The more I've listened to you guys talk about it, the more I'm realizing there's absolutely no reason why he would think they could make him young or make him live longer. Just because they created us, I mean, why would that mean that they can extend our lives? There was no evidence for that whatsoever. And I don't think in any version of the script there was any evidence that they could extend life. Not that I can remember. Yeah, so it's like, so yeah, it is a total stretch. It's a total stretch. Um, I, as far as, quote, bad guys, end quote, go, I prefer Vickers. Um, I actually liked that she hated him so much. I think that David hating him also gets weird um, because obviously David was the favored son. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's complicated. I don't mind the selfish, I don't mind him being a selfish prick. Um, that, that's, that's fine. And it, it, to me, it's kind of fitting, um, especially when you see how smug he is during the TED talks. I just don't understand, like, like you said, why would he waste his time, um, doing this? What proof does he have that any of this can happen? If there was, if they had found stuff about, quote, fountain of youth, end quote, or something like that, then I would buy it. But but as it's presented, there's not enough there. And I don't know... Actually, was there a novelization of Prometheus? A Japanese one. Oh. So, How random is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we really can't read it. I would be curious if things like that are explained. I mean, I love... That's what I try to do with my work, is always make sure that like anything that didn't make sense can be explained away in the novelization. Oh. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I don't know. I... I, I I can't get over the old man makeup. I thought it was so terrible. <laughs> I do like that. I do like that he just got basically killed in two seconds, and that was the end of it. It just doesn't make sense for him to have been there. When I said, "Are you were you surprised that he was there?" I wasn't surprised that he was there because they had made such a big deal about him being in the movie, and I really didn't think he was just going to be in that little hologram thing in the beginning. So when he was there, I was like, "Surprise!" <laughs> but plot-wise, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Well, the most surprising thing is they would just wake him up to take him into this completely um, dangerous situation. They don't even recon it first. They don't wake him up. Exactly. And... Yeah, they don't check it out. They don't wake up the engineer first well, and they, establish just... David had reconned it, though. But he, had, he didn't know how the guy would react. No. Yeah, I thought it was strange they would just take the head of the company in there right when they woke up the engineer to have him talk to him. I guess maybe Wayland wanted to make first contact with the engineer or something. Maybe he didn't care about the danger. You know, I thought it was interesting how you were saying, Andrew, that the things that don't make sense, we like to kind of explain away in the expanded universe. And I think Lindelof mentioned that to, to Ridley Scott. He mentioned, well, you know, there is this Charles Bishop Wayland for the AVP movies. And, and Ridley was like, well, to hell with that. And personally, I've, I've kind of like, made it work in my own fanboy mind like oh he was the selfish nephew that inherited the company or something like that 
Do you know how many Waylands there probably are in the EU now? <laughs> well, we've got we've got Michael Bishop from Alien Three. We've got or Bishop Two. Oh, yeah, slash Bishop Two. We've got Peter Whalen from AVP. We've got Charles Wayland from Prometheus. I think there's Carl Wayland in, in the the game. Yeah, who is a one of many robots who somehow possesses the memory of Peter Whalen. And then I think one of the other comics, um, what's it called? Inhuman Condition. I think that has a random Wayland in it as well. It's just everywhere. One of the things I'm curious about is we saw little allusions to the Utani Corporation in Prometheus with the viral marketing and the um, the special features and stuff like that. And now it is Wayland Utani in the in Alien Covenant. So I'm wondering if that'll be at least briefly mentioned at all. It's because Utani people have the Predator gun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> How do you feel about the, the Blade Runner connections? I think as long as they're kept, you know, just subtle nods, it works. I don't think they'll ever go as far as to directly connect them. Like, I mean, even in Alien Isolation, we saw the little origami unicorn and in the special features of Prometheus. They had the connection where Wayland was talking about, who's obviously alluded to be Tyrell and uh talking about his difference of philosophy and creating synthetic humans. And so I think it's a cool nod. It's a cool kind of fanboy, like, oh, this is fun to think about. These could be the same universe, but I don't think they would ever do a direct crossover. I mean, if, if they did, I wouldn't personally mind it, but I don't, I don't think they would go that route. I think there's probably rights issues though, isn't there? Who, who owns Blade Runner? Is it Warner? Is it? I thought Fox was making the new one. No, it's not Fox. It's uh, da, 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 da. It, yeah. So uh, Warner Brothers and Columbia. Wow. Okay. So I think for that reason, <coughs> yeah, it's much... just gonna, it's just gonna be Easter egg type stuff. So. Yeah. And as a, as a fun little asides, I, I like them. I don't see any issue with it. You know, the alien films have never shown us Earth. Um, but what better future Earth than you know run down, run down Blade Runner esque world? Well, Alien Alien Resurrection, you saw it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, so worst film in the franchise? AVP Requiem. Well, are we including the AVP movies? Yes, we are. Uh, AVP Requiem. <laughs> what if we include the Predator films as well? Still AVP Requiem. I I, I agree. <laughs> I'm going to, well, I don't know, because I've come to like Alien Resurrection, too. I, I would have said Alien Resurrection before, but I like that more now, too, than I used to. It is inappropriate for the franchise. Yeah, yeah. It is it is the complete antithesis of Alien, in my opinion. You know, you've got... Well, you, well that's no, the thing. No, I mean, even in the making is a of. different franchise. Like, I, I know it includes Alien and Predator, but I don't think, and I know I, I had this big debate with Sill, but I don't think AVP can be held to the same standard as the Alien franchise. You know, we shouldn't have the same expectations of AVP films as, as we do of Alien films. That's not to say they should be garbage and we should just be okay with that either, but I, I think that they're not going to be this highly regarded sci-fi masterpieces that the Alien films have been, you know. Not with that attitude. <laughs> Come on. I know, I know. I mean, just it's a versus movie. 
Like, how good can you really make a versus movie? Bad. It doesn't mean they have to be bad. Come on. There's some good Aliens vs. Predator comics out there. There's no reason why oh, yeah. there's a good Alien vs. Predator movie out there. And oh, games. yeah. And I, I agree. And the games, the games have great stories, too. So I'm not saying that, you know, AVP and AVPR, I just, I don't know. I didn't consider them insults to the franchise like most people did. I thought there were some real quality work that went into them, especially the work ADI did. And I think they contributed to the franchise. ADI is amazing. There's no question of that. The stuff they did for the, the Thing prequel that got all taken away and CGI'd instead, they did some amazing work on that. Yeah, and I could tell, I think they even said they were pulling their hair out over what happened with that, and that's why they made Harbinger down. Right, I haven't seen that yet. Is that good? It's it's okay. I mean, it was it was a crowdfunded movie. Um, right. The effects are really cool. I think the story is pretty bare bones. Um, if you see it on Netflix, it's worth a watch, I would say. It's on but Netflix? Hey, I know it was for a while. It might still be, but I mean, I do like AVPR, so my standards are pretty low, but... <laughs> That's right, okay. <laughs> I, I understand. I haven't seen it myself because it's not showed up over here yet, but I understand it's essentially what you'd expect. It's it's an effects reel um, with not much story because they, yeah. they don't know what to do with the actors kind right. of thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. ADI are given way too much shit for what they've done on the films. You know, they, their technical work is fantastic and... You know, if if you don't like the designs, whatever, but that that's what the direct, you know, Pierre uh, Jean Pierre Jeanette wanted a, a mutant beast, and that's what ADI gave him. Um, well, the maquette of that thing is fantastic, and then the actual execution is terrible. Are you talking about um the newborn? Yeah, the newborn, totally. Yeah. Um, the 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 maquette of it is frightening to me, and I just it it looks so goofy. The, the actual final thing. Um, <clears throat> I saw something somewhere where someone was holding the maquette. Uh, was it a film director? Was it an actor? I don't remember. And it was holding the maquette, and he said, "Why is it so hard to make this when we and then we wind up with that?" <laughs> so I can't remember what it was. I need to find that. But yeah, it, maybe that's maybe that creature shouldn't have been a practical effect. Maybe that was what the problem was. But then again, I the don't... animatronic work on that was phenomenal. Were you ever scared of that thing? No. But then... Well, ADI, they actually have a really good YouTube channel where they show a lot of their behind-the-scenes stuff, and their most recently released video was um, the rod puppet test for the newborn. And I guess they wanted to make it more creature-esque, and John Bier was kind of pushing them in the direction like, no, give it expressions, make it, give it a human face, you know, so... Yeah. Recently, I've, I've been of the impression that the thought that it would have been far better if they'd have just gone for something like the original Alien without the cowl. You know, if they wanted to give it more overt human features, should have just took that cowl off the original Alien and just had that empty skull on there, and that would have worked great. Because I, I think that, I think that empty skull of, of Giga's Alien is just that freaks me out. Yeah, the um, yeah, the, it didn't need puppy dog guys. No, but like like you were saying earlier, you know, that film's just so unsuitable <laughs> yeah it's just for the franchise it's not right you know um i mean I, everyone rags on alien 3 but i think alien 3 especially the uh the assembly cut i think it's the assembly cut yeah 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 that that that's fantastic to me. yeah i i love alien 3 i just think 
again, it came down to expectations. People were so pumped after Aliens. They wanted to see something even bigger. Right. And Alien 3 took it back to, well, we have one alien. We have all these prisoners that you can't really relate to. And it's hard to, for mainstream audiences to tell them apart from each other. And Goddamn racists. So, Just because I was bold British. <laughs> well, it's not me. I didn't have a problem with it. But I, that's what the producers were saying. Like when it, in the special features, they were talking about the reaction to the film and they were saying the characters were a lot harder to connect with than they were in the first two movies. Well, this valid sort of thing, especially since the characters that get the most focus are actually off, you know, halfway through the film, you know, having, having a bit more focus on people like David or um, Morse early on probably would have helped that a little bit better. But at the end of the day, the fact is that was a train wreck of a production. Absolutely fantastic sort of behind-the-scenes stories about it. I'd probably love Alien 3 more for, you know, all the behind-the-scenes drama than I do the rest of them. But you can't get over the difficulties that that film faced and for what we ultimately got and what we could have got. I, I, I've always loved Alien 3. I always have. Um, you know, for, before the first time I watched it... Um, my dad was uh, it was my dad that sort of got me into the films and we finished watching aliens and i wanted to move straight on to three and it was like no it's shit it's fuck don't do it and I, I loved it from that first time and i still do i can never pick a favorite between the first three films no i know it's flawed but it i still enjoy it i would say the worst visual effect in all the series is actually in alien three yeah. and that's the alien on the ceiling with the photoshop shadow ah good man Good man. <laughs> Do you know how fucking... <laughs> oh, the amount of times I see people complain about the bad CGI in Alien 3. It's not CGI! Well, I think the movement was cool. Like, we had never seen an alien run like that. But the compositing was yeah, not... That, that's exactly what it was. The, the rod puppet itself is fucking gorgeous. The work that Boss did on that puppet is amazing. I really enjoyed the sort of movements in some of the scenes some of it's dodgy you know like um when it rams pete Postlewaite's character fuck david is it david um and when it sort of slides up to ripley in in the infirmary it sort of slides at some points i really like that that creeped the hell out of me like i just saw that as some bizarre movement uh sort of like what they were trying to accomplish with um uh, in that, that cut scene where the alien is like walking backwards from the, the crab first walk. movie. Yeah, the crab walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that looked goofy, but it could have come off well. And I felt like the sliding thing really felt alien, you know, as in bizarre. What <laughs> part of the movie are you talking about? You know, when um, the iconic moment from Alien 3, when the um, alien gets up in, in Sigourney's grill, mm-hmm. there's just before, you know, that moment with the with the face and the tongue and everything. There's Where it kind of creeps up to Yeah, there's that short little sequence with the rod uh, rod puppet. And there's a funny little move where it just sort of looks like it's sliding towards Ooh. it. It's, it's it's very short and very brief, but... You know. I, I noticed it, and obviously Andrew noticed it, although he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> we can't agree on everything. Yeah. Where would the fun be in that? <laughs> and you know what? I was... It was one of the things I found really surprising about fandom was how much that everybody disagrees on stuff they love. You know, one of the first things I ever came across that made me go, what? Was 
Do you remember the old male groups? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alt.cult.movies.alien, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I saw was people slagging off James Cameron and aliens. <coughs> See, that's funny. It surprised me so much because I was like, but aliens is awesome. That, that's what I was going to say though, the first, when we had the technical difficulties before and you couldn't hear me um, the first time around. We were talking about Alien 3 and you were talking about how people were expecting something bigger because of aliens. Mm. If you look at it, aliens really doesn't fit with the franchise. I mean, it's kind of like it's an action adventure film in something that's supposed to be creepy horror. Uh, Alien 3 goes back to the roots more. Aliens is just such a fantastic movie that doesn't matter. We will accept it always. Um, but, but Aliens, it, it totally changes the genre. Um, and in the process with the Queen and everything kind of violated what Giger's idea of how everything was supposed to run in the first place was. Honestly, I thought even the third movie was another genre change. I think the third was more of a drama than it was a horror. Interesting. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I know. To be honest, I've always found that to be one of the the strengths of the series, I guess, because it doesn't it doesn't become stale, and you no, know, you get a different feel each time. Obviously, it doesn't work with the last one, um, but for the first three, I always enjoyed how different they all sort of were. And in the comics, you can even go with like comedy with like Mondo Pest and stuff like that. I'll allow it in the comics. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Let's not bring that into the movies for sure. But yeah, I mean, well, I mean, my my problem with Resurrection was that it was so campy. Mm. Yeah, um, and it's you know the prototypes for uh, Firefly are all mm. being tested out right there. He never even realized that until it was pointed out to him as well. You're kidding me. Yeah, so, <laughs> somebody pointed it out at a convention maybe in the last five ten years, and it was just like, what? Oh god, <laughs> no, I never saw that. Mm. I think that I I do think there's a lot of good buried in Resurrection. You know, I think I think the Ripley Eight characters really interest him, and the novelization, like we we're saying earlier, the novelizations uh, does it a lot better because you know that really sort of exposed the whole identity crisis she's going through and um, the DNA crossover and all that kind of stuff. But it's a combination of all these incompatible people who were wholly talented in themselves. You know. Whedon, you can love or hate him, but he's done some great stuff. You know, Firefly is undeniably one of the best sci-fis, however, you know, short and undeservedly murdered that was. Jean-Pierre Jeanette, you know, City of the Lost Children, Amelie, fantastic films, but bring them together and just doesn't work. There were elements of Alien Resurrection where I thought, okay, this is this feels like an an artsy foreign film you know with the alien and i thought that that could be something really interesting um i think executed well it could it could be great but i just think there were a, a few critical failings of, of resurrection that made it uh more criticized than, than it was loved and i think that's the important thing with covenant is yeah fans fans are going to disagree about every movie for sure but prometheus was exceptionally divisive and I'm hoping Covenant can gain more of a majority really like this movie, as is the case with Alien and Aliens, you know. I don't think Prometheus is as disliked as the fans like to think it is. You know, the the film made 
three times its budget back offhand i can't remember and you know it was sitting around the seven eight mark on um rotten tomatoes and on imdb compared to probably what the five on for alien resurrection i think it's still up there with the highest grossing r-rated movies of all time too i think the thing is that clearly fox clearly realized something was wrong otherwise we would have had prometheus 2 instead of having alien covenant yeah in all fairness, it didn't seem like Scott knew where, or anybody knew where they wanted to go with the film after that. There was reports of them pretty much taking pictures from anybody. Really? Yeah. Um, I think early on when it was Alien, you know, Space had, I think they planned it as a two-part thing. Um, I remember right. talk of that. And then Lindelof came aboard and obviously all that got screwed up and... I think there was mention of them talking about some stuff but no real direction and then he left and there was reports of nobody knowing where to go with with the sequel um i'm just scrolling back through the news archives now see i was secretly hoping that naomi was going to go find adrian brody on that uh, predator game for- <laughs> <laughs> here we go um march 2013 um According to Bloody Disgusting, 20th Century Fox is allegedly having some trouble to find a way to continue the story of Elizabeth Shaw in Prometheus 2 and are taking pictures from any writer. In this quote from one of the articles, Fox has been taking many, many meetings with screenwriters um, and have been pretty much just bringing in their own pictures, not working within an established frame. And then, then it was a couple of months later and so that was like a year's gap between the film coming out. And then Jack Palgan came on board. I don't think Prometheus is disliked as much as it is just divisive. A lot of people really enjoyed the film. They thought it was a great addition. And a lot of others, I think like us, were more critical of the film. I mean, even if we didn't hate the film, we were, we were, there was a feeling of being let down by it. Yeah. The Deke, I, 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 I don't, think i've ever read anything that explained what was up with that but i know i saw because i have that obviously i have the concept art book um and there's that those things of uh the deacon running out of the pod at the end um was the deacon supposed to like get on the engineer ship and go away with david and uh and naomi or well in the comics it turns into a mountain (laughs) oh that's right wait the deacon became the mountain yeah that's what it implies. Yeah, okay, that's weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember them ever really talking about the Deacon, what they imagined happening with it. I mean, if we're not going back to that planet, and you know, I, I'm talking about as far as Ridley Scott was concerned. Okay. What? What? What was the point of it? Was it just a pack on? Just yeah. give an alien footnote, basically. I think was it. Where does it come? Why does it come out like an adult alien? I mean, not exactly, but, you know. Your guess is as good as mine, Andrew. <laughs> and they changed that for the comics, too. Originally, there were going to be a bunch of deacons running around, and they were going to be the aliens, but they they changed that. Why was that changed? I'm, I'm not sure. Have you read the, the making of for that comic, Aaron? Yeah, well, the, the writers won't tell you explicitly, because at the time when these were coming out was when we knew nothing about Covenant. But what they were going to do is it was going to be sort of like the evolution of the Deacons into the aliens. Okay. So 
that seems to be what Covenant's doing. That seems to be the whole point of this prequel trilogy. So the writers were told, you can't do that. You can't explore the origins. Yeah, that that's it, basically. And it seems like the the Neomorphs are based off some of the concept art of Prometheus pretty heavily. Yeah, the the, the proto-aliens, Beluga Head, I think was another nickname for them. Yes. The Deacon stuff was another problem I had with Prometheus because of how convoluted the creature map was. So, and it can potentially be frustrating with Covenant, depending on where they go with this whole alien creation route. You know, we see this mural in in the headroom, which I think is the Deacon anyway. It's obviously something alien-like, but to get to that alien-like creature, you have this whole convoluted roadmap of creature interactions and black goo interactions to get to the creation of that creature that is apparently, mm. you know, they know about. David's got to get the recipe just right. It, just, it seemed like an entirely unlikely scenario and an unlikely chain of events that would lead to the creation of this thing that these guys apparently revere in some fashion or another. Don't know if anybody ever had a problem with that. Well, I mean, well, it, it's all over the place. You know, that's that that is that is a problem. There's no there was a logical procession with the alien, there isn't one here. I think we're near enough running out of stuff, but there's one thing that we need to talk about with before we finish this podcast. Okay. So Prometheus is actually make that two things, but they all sort of tie in together. Prometheus is a spin off based on the space jockey. Okay. What made the space jockey and the derelict so great? was it's designed by Giga. Now, you get you find out there's going to be a film based on this, you know, iconic Giga designs. You expect a lot of Giga in the film, don't you? Yes. Now there's deliberate very deliberate design um, choices made by Arthur Max and Ridley Scott to not do that. Well, that's what they were saying in the, the making of. They were saying the, the concept artist kept trying to pull it back towards Giger aesthetic, but Arthur Max and Ridley Scott wanted more of the mechanical rather than more of the biological. So so that's why we have the ambulance instead of the eggs also. Hmm. And yeah, and, and from the whole steering away from over alien style stuff, they wanted to be mechanical about it, not biomechanical. How did you guys feel about that? I mean, would you describe the hammer Pete as mechanical, though? Fair point. No, I wouldn't. I'm, I suppose I'm thinking more in terms of, I guess, the locations and the environments and, and the engineer. They had biological things and they had mechanical things in Prometheus, but there wasn't much of biomechanical things. You didn't see that signature meshing of the two that, as we've had in the Alien films. Why? Think, do you think there's a reason for it that we're moving towards that direction? Or I, I definitely think that's the way it's going now. I don't necessarily think that's what they had in mind at the time. But when you had that artist on uh, Hicks, wasn't he saying like Ridley was kind of backed into a corner or something like that? Yeah, I can't remember the exact quotes, but yeah, it says as far as the engineer aesthetic goes, how it was more like it looked like stone, whereas in the derelict ship in the first alien was kind of like slimy bones you know it looked like the ship almost could have been grown Mm. yeah right for better or worse i do think that's the route we're going down with for the aliens you know i think i don't want to i don't want to get negative again because i i don't like 
this concept of David somehow introducing the biomechanical elements into Alien and and uh, Giga's Alien being some twenty year old creation. But I think there was a very deliberate choice now to move towards that, and there was a choice to get rid of it back then. But I don't think it had story considerations. I think it was more in terms of they didn't. I think there was a quote from Max, and I think it was in one of the one of the the features where he said, "Look, these guys are going to expect Giga, so we're not going to give them Giga." And I feel like that's a a poor way to sort of subvert expectations. You know, you're making a prequel based on this guy's designs that helped Alien stand out from all the others. You know, we wouldn't be sat here talking about Alien if it weren't for Giga. Yeah, yeah, and that's what some of the, the artists were saying. They were saying Arthur Max was all about the monolithic, like, temple kind of look for things. Whereas the artists were trying to pull it back in the, the Giger's signature biomechanical aesthetic direction. And it's great that there was somebody on there that did that, but you watch the film and, you know, some of the shapes are there. You know, it the ribbed shapes are there, the, the, the ovals are there, the you know, that kind of thing. But it is distinctly not Giga. Well, you saw that new picture in Covenant, the the set photo of the hallway that looks straight from the derelict and alien, except for the floor, which it kind of had like a gravel floor. Mm. Whereas in in Alien, those were just bones too. You know, it wasn't a very walkable surface. I suppose the point I'm trying to get to is I found that really disappointing. Was that they, they turned away from one of the reasons that the mystery was so endearing and the film and the original film was so successful. Did that bother you guys? Did you pick up on it? Yeah, it's, I mean, like, like I, I think one of you had said earlier about um, Ridley feeling like the, the beast was dead. Is that what you'd said? The beast was cooked, I think you put it. Oh, <coughs> cooked, okay. Um, you know, it, it, it seems like he felt like everything had to be different which is why it became its own franchise in the beginning. Um, and it, it's just a mistake. You know, it, they, they, you need to keep, you need to keep enough. You can't say something's a prequel or, or say it has the DNA of something else. You know, it's the only way that would have worked is if Prometheus had been its own series and then crossed over into alien, you know, but you're, 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 you're pretty much making an alien prequel, but you don't want to tell anybody it's an alien prequel. You want to tell them it's not an alien prequel, but you also want alien fans to go see it, so you're also going to say it has the DNA of alien. Um, it, it's, it's, the, the conscious, uh, with everything from, you know, and I, I didn't quite realize as much as what you're, what you're saying now, but I see it completely now. It's, it's like with every aspect, it's like with the, what I had said earlier about the engineer. I don't know if we were, uh, if, if we were on the show at the time when I said it, but, um, the fact that it wasn't the engineer that we expected was a good thing, I felt, because it turned our expectations on its ear. But if it, but if it does that for everything, then it's no longer part of the same thing. Yeah, agreed. And the, one minor point about the engineers I, I wanted to mention real quick that I forgot to bring up earlier. Even though the, the design was not what I was personally hoping for, I thought Ian White just killed it in that role. I think the suit they made for the engineer and, and how Ian White performed in it was was very well done. Ian White kills it in everything. I love Ian White so much, especially as as the predator and the engineer. Mm-hmm. 
But we 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 got to make sure we do talk about the engineers towards the end, actually after this probably. But yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Um, when they change too much, it doesn't. Yes, it started as an alien film. Yes, they wanted to do something different with it. Because at the end of the day, Spates' script, as much as I think it was better than what we got, it wasn't without issues. One of the issues being, I think it could have done without the traditional aliens and focused on the space jockeys and these proto-aliens. And that wouldn't have been a bad thing in itself, as, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. I don't know if other people would have objected to an alien film without the aliens. But you've got to retain a bit more of what makes it recognisable. Um, and Prometheus... Yeah, they were going somewhere different with it, but they wanted it to be in the same universe. They wanted it to be recognisable. And, you know, they, they've already thrown us a ship that's not like the ships we've seen in Alien and Aliens and Alien 3. And, and even, you know, even Resurrection. And which I completely buy, by the way. I buy into that explanation of it being the flagship exploration ship of the Wayland fleet. So you know, all the you mean how the technology is sleek and all that? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know. I don't buy the spacesuits. The spacesuits. I don't buy. Yeah, it's too. It's too. They're too sleek and modern. Um, there's a beautifulness in the bulkiness and the design that uh, Mobius did the spacesuits, right? Of the original. He. I don't think they went full Mobius, but yeah, he did some of the concepts for it. Right. Um, in Covenant, it looks like they've gone back to his helmet, actually. Right. Right, so I guess they're trying to cover up saying that those that we just had the most expensive ones possible and this, mm. but it it just it was too much. It um, I felt like they should have been a little bulkier. Mm. Well, you know, everything in that you know all the human tech is a lot flashier than than we've seen in the other films. So you know that's that's a visual disconnect right there. Yep. And then we get to the you know we get to the engineer facility and it's. It's rock. It's stone. Yeah. And then we get into the ship and it's it's metal. You know, and again there's you know, stone what looks like stone on the floor. Um you know, it might retain some of the shape, same shape, it might retain that ribbed nature, but it doesn't look like it was grown like the um like the originals does. And they 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 hand wave it now. They say that they're gonna be getting into the biological side of it and whatever, but that wasn't there at the time, and I I, I find that disappointing, I, I did, and to be honest, I'm, as, as much as I know that they're getting there with these prequels, I'm sort of disappointed to hear that there's not more of that in Covenant as well, you know, we get the hallway and a couple of ships, but the one, the one thing I want to see in one of these films is a fucking giga landscape, I just want to see, on one of these planets, just a vista of his crazy ass biomechanical shapes and structures and something more like his egg silos from alien that kind of thing that's the one thing i want in one of these films and i will i'll be happy i'll let them off with david creighton the alien if they give me that i think one of the things with prometheus is that it just felt like the movie was it was almost two movies in one there was these conflicting um styles i guess where you had this uh, is like this grand and even the music in the movie kind of reflect this you had some music that was more grand and like um sense of awe kind of stuff and you had other music that was just creepy and methodical and it, it seemed like the movie the first half of the movie was you know scientists exploring these 
philosophical ideas and where do we come from and, and these big questions. And the second half of the movie was more of an alien style um, intimate horror film. And Tried so it felt like, yeah, just as we were ramping up to what are the answers to these big questions that these scientists have come here to explore, it's now a horror movie. So I, I don't, I think the contrast between that shift was a little too abrupt. I can't say I ever picked up on that myself. Yeah, I, I did. I did notice there are, I, like I mentioned earlier, you know, it's seeming to get to the halfway point where it tells the story that it's been set up to do, and then it just goes off and does something else. I can sort of see where you're coming from in that. A lot of the critics said that the quote is the movie didn't know what it wanted to be. So you know, it's like, is it this grand philosophical science fiction or is it this horror movie? That's a good question. You know, I think it should have gone. It it. If you're going to go by the whole, each one of these movies needs to be, uh, well, not needs to be, but it is different and presents a completely different thing that the aliens just so happen to be part of. Um, it should have gone deeper into the philosophy um, because the philosophy feels half-assed. Um, and with philosophy, you can have you can have something deadly um, related to philosophy, and it wouldn't feel like it didn't know if it was a horror film or a philosophy. Yep, yep, yep. That's all, folks. A philosophy. <laughs> um, Having the characters act as stupid as they did is what turned it into a, quote, horror film, end quote, for me. Not so much the horror scenes as the fact that everybody was lining up to be killed, like in your traditional horror film. It sounds about right. I find it so exhausting talking about Prometheus. (laughs) What, What do you think, what do you guys feel about the engineer's size change? I don't mind it as much, but then again, I'm absolutely fucking terrible with um, measurements, so I I have no fuck I've like no concept of how tall stuff is. Um, it's it's weird as fuck. I don't, don't even I can't even possibly explain it. I'm just I'm just a, an idiot when it comes to distances and judgment and uh, heights and stuff like that. But I've I've met Ian White and I I'm average height and I met Ian and it's just towering above me is a fucking giant compared to me so well the engineers were like almost 20 feet tall based on the original uh you know the one in the chair and that's only because they had the kids yeah the forced perspective stuff well not forced perspective tricked perspective i guess with that case brilliant um but do you think that there's going to be larger engineers now or well that's the engineers in here at all in the covenant that's the fan speculation is are the engineers, the space jockeys, are they one in the same really? Like, and they kind of allude in Prometheus. Well, who made them? Like, is there a higher form of engineer or something like that? Um, I think it's just a design discrepancy personally. I think that, and again, the suit is built into the chair, so you can kind of explain it away like that, I guess. But, but yeah, I don't think they're going to, really explain that personally i think it's just a design difference i don't like the idea that that the derelict from the first movie has only been sitting there for for a couple of decades i it it always felt like i mean i guess it's never said or anything but it always felt like that thing had been there for thousands of years well that that's the implication (laughs) isn't it i mean yes dallas isn't an expert but we're supposed to sort of take it at face value when he says you know this this thing looks fossilized and yep. I think that was one of the best things they did with changing Spates' script into Prometheus was they 
it wasn't LV426 anymore. It wasn't the derelict. It hadn't crashed 30 years prior to Alien. And I'm kind of scared they're going to go back that way. Um, yeah, there's a theory floating around, and I, I, I will probably sit and grown-ass man and cry in the cinema if it takes it towards this route. But there's a theory going around that uh, the Covenant has a cargo of 2,000 people in cryo. And, you know, what have we got in the derelict? Several thousand eggs in in the cargo hold. What so if, they're going to go back to the egg morphing? Yeah, what if that cargo <laughs> is, is the egg-morphed crew of the co- Covenant? Interesting. And... I, I will hate it so much if we've escaped narrowly <laughs> having the alien, the derelict, be a recent thing. Wasn't it mentioned it. somewhere, Aaron, in the um, the Prometheus special features or one of the interviews? I, I thought I remember, like, they mentioned the derelict briefly, like, that was meant to have crashed a long time ago or it could have or something like that. There's some fluff somewhere about them picking up a signal on an orbiting moon, another orbiting moon, that has been logged for investigation at another time, which I think is supposed to be implied to be the uh, derelict and LV-426. Where is this again? I'm sorry. It's on the Blu-ray. Um, it's, okay. I, I, think, I think it's menu fluff, to be honest. Um, I can't quite remember. I can never keep track of where the little tidbit fluffs come from. Um Obviously, the comics imply that um, where's Prometheus set two three three or two two three something like that, and LV four twenty six are orbiting the same uh, the same gas giant, Calpamos is that what they named it? I can't remember. Um, but obviously, the comics could be thrown away on a whim. So yeah, I mean, as of right now, they're trying not to do that. Um, but like I said, you know, internal conflicts might make it so that these things get separated so it's hard to tell what's going to happen whether or not these things are going to be canon or not at the moment i i think it, it would be one of the, i think it would be one of the worst things they could do to these films if they make if they make the derelict crash a recent thing if if they make the alien a recent thing well one of the interesting quotes that ridley has said is he wants the prequel films to come into the back door of alien he's not like this is directly what happened before alien so i don't know if they could do another derelict crash scene after what we saw with prometheus because it would kind of just be a retread so i'm hoping that's the distinction is that and again this is just fan theories is that david ultimately creates the aliens as we know them but i think the important distinction that'll make that go over better with fans is if he's recreating them if he's following some blueprint um and, and that's another fan theory is that the aliens were not created from the black goo, but the engineers were trying to um, study the aliens and recreate them and, and um, find out how their biology worked. And that's that's what led to the creation of the accelerant was their fascination with the xenomorphs. But we'll see if any of that is ever explored or explained. That that totally worked for me. I think it was Wayne Hag who mentioned something along those lines when we spoke to him who's one of the concept artists on Covenant, and that was a little theory that he had, that the accelerant was some sort of blueprint to create alien-like creatures. And if it just went down the road of David recreating them, then, yeah, I'd have no problem with that. Because I think one of 
along with the sort of Giger aesthetics, one of the other things that makes Alien and the Space Jock is so sort of intriguing is this whole sort of Lovecraftian um, notion about them. You know, the Elder Gods and ancient sort of angels of death kind of thing. And if it maintains that, I think that's great. David recreates that, fine by me. But if they took away that feel of it, like they've taken away Giga's biomechanical, it just feels like it'd be stripping the original of everything that, you know, really helped it stand out. Like David's the one in the engineer suit in Alien. <laughs> yeah, that kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm scared of them doing. That it's, it's removing that kind of thing that kind of wonder that would bother me. Have you guys have you guys read the script for Covenant already or no? Uh, n- no, we don't have the script for Covenant, but we do have a pretty good understanding of what's happening in the film. Okay. To be honest, I've actually tried to forget a bit of it, so <laughs> I do get a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I, the reason I was asking was just because I'm just curious how you guys, like, I, I'm I'm working with Fox, obviously. I have tried my best not to know as much about this movie as I possibly can and still do my job with them. Hmm. Because I don't want to ruin it for me. Um, I want to go to the theater and I want to be genuinely surprised by something. Uh, so I was wondering how you guys, because I mean, you get access to things and you discover things behind the scenes. How do you guys feel about that type of stuff? Do you still try to keep these things special for yourselves? Or, do you, or is it just a, is it a fact-finding thing that's more important to you? I, I don't you now. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of on the same level as you. I, I don't want to ruin the whole movie for myself. Um, I kind of did with AVP. I read that the movie novel came out before the film and I read it. And I think that that might've been a reason I liked it more, but ever since then I kind of made it a point like to not spoil the movie for myself, but at the same time, just the fact that we're on the forums and we hear the fan theories, some of the theories seem more credible than others. And so we kind of get an idea of, well, I think they'll probably go down that route. But I, I, I don't know. What about you, Hicks? Do you, are you comfortable just spoiling everything for yourself? Or I, I kind of have no choice. Um, because we're, we're in a culture of spoilers. You know, it's, it's, what's, it's what's news, it's what draws attention. And... You know what? I, I'm a spoiler whore as well. I was as a kid. Um, I say a kid. God, make me feel old. Um, when like Stargate SG One was on the air, I was I was on their premium uh, website, and I was always looking at the new pictures and the new spoilers because I had to know what was happening before it came out. And maybe maybe I'm just a child of this um, spoiler culture, but it might you know my my position as administrator and news reporter, I kind of have to be in all this stuff, so. All the other guys that also love this stuff can know, and I can report on it to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have a choice, unfortunately. <laughs> and to be honest, I I don't know if I would how I would feel. I mean, the film I always talk about about not knowing anything beforehand is Cabin in the Woods. I had no fucking idea what that film was about. As far as, far as I knew, it was some dodgy ass tribute to olden day horrors. And I worked at the cinema at the time, so I got free tickets. So I was bored one evening, and I went, fuck it, I'm going to go and watch Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> Blew me away, that film did. Because I, I, I thought it was so smart, and completely not what I expected. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had that experience had I been stuck in there. 
Um, but then, I honestly, I don't know how much of that got spoiled beforehand. You know, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, whether they actually tried to keep that stuff a secret. I, th- I think a problem, too, lies within the marketing of, of movies these days. Um, there's a YouTuber I follow called Good Bad Flicks, and he talks about the problems with movie trailers. Um, and so many trailers, especially the ones that come out right before the movie, they just give almost everything away. Like, you can watch the last trailer for Prometheus, the one that, that was pretty much the theatrical trailer, and get a basic sense of the entire plot and everything that's going to happen. You might not get all the answers, but you pretty much know the direction the movie's going to go. And so many movies do this now. They're like, and the trailers get ridiculously long too. They're like four minute trailers and watch the first 10 minutes of the movie. And I think marketing often pushes that a bit too hard. Even in some of the Covenant trailers, we now have a, if if you know we weren't actively trying to seek out this kind of stuff, you know we weren't catching every single fucking press release or news article or magazine article, you know whatever. In the first trailer alone, we get um, doctor's doctor's death, medical assistant's death, the face hugger scene, captain's death, <laughs> and then in the next sort of trailers we see security person's death, different security person's death, and. <laughs> Yeah, we are in a time when they just they throw spoilers at us and people love them. Some well, some people love them. Some people obviously hate them. But you know, I, I wouldn't have a hobby as this you know on this website if people didn't want to know as much about the films as as they could, for better or worse. Yeah, interesting. I think it was I think it was your site that actually you guys had published something. I don't know if it was you. Maybe it wasn't. Which uh, looked like it was a little plot synopsis of Covenant. Uh, we we did. That was the Predator, wasn't it? The the Predators leaked. It mentioned the back. Yeah, yeah, that that was me. We did. Um, we we dropped the Neomorph stuff. Okay, because I read that and I was like, "This is ridiculous. This is totally not the movie." And then I saw the trailer and I was like, "This is totally the movie." <laughs> 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 so you know, shame on you. <laughs> hey, I, I was quite reserved with what I actually knew. Yeah. To, to be fair, that was all. But that was all Michael Fassbender's fault for giving me the opening, and I blame it on him. But he just—he just told you it all. What, no, what no, no. Um, there was an interview, and he let slip. It was talking about the original alien, and he—he uh-huh. he referred to the alien as the Neomorph, and then quickly corrected himself and said Xenomorph or whatever. And obviously, I I knew that this thing was called the Neomorph in Covenant, so I was like, "Eh, go on then, it's an opening." <laughs> so I think I think the start of that article was so um, Michael Fassbender's just done an interview and called and said the word Neomorph. Here's what the Neomorph is. It wasn't just uh, him mispronouncing Xenomorph. Maybe I should <laughs> maybe I should feel bad. I don't know. <laughs> Got me quest- well, questioning my life now, man. Just spoiling everything for everybody. Jeez. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to question your, <laughs> your existence. Um. No, this. I've I've been doing this since I was a kid. So you know, there's a good fifteen odd years of my life doing this kind of thing. Any? Is anybody any got you know anything else left to say about Prometheus? Any burning comments that need to be made? Um, I just want to say that um, I have watched Prometheus over 130 times 
Jesus. Um, <laughs> because that's, that's I, a lot even for us. Well, I, I really wanted to love it. Um, and I felt like each time I watched it, I figured out where they were going with something else that I hadn't before. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> but what about what about the Alien Day double screenings? Oh, oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, uh, um, there is a lot there that you can, if, you, if you're paying attention, you'll you'll see on subsequent viewings. Oh, I see what they were trying to go here. So it's too bad it didn't pull off. It didn't get pulled off the way it should have. You know. Um, so to me, the movie itself is not. It's not. It's not an alien resurrection. It's definitely not an AVPR. Um, it's. It's just. It's just not. It's not the movie the franchise deserved to have. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, kind of. Kind of just echoing that. People. People were clamoring for an alien prequel for really over a decade. Um, more than that, even. And so just that being the ultimate kind of, it wasn't a full alien prequel, was it? It was, it was just a tease for right. what could have been. Um, so I think that's what ultimately led to the feelings of a lot of fans being let down. I don't think I was bothered by it not being an alien film. Yeah, every all everybody would ever clamored for was Cameron or Ridley Scott to come back and make another alien film but i i would have been happy with it being a sidequel as it was as long as it was a good sidequel you know the reason probably the whole reason i'm even on you know online fandom is because i wanted to know about the space jockey i wanted to know more about them the whole reason i even have i even read the expanded universe was to hunt down destroying angels uh, the, a comic that was specifically, you know, about the space jockeys. So, for me, I wouldn't have minded a film focused on them as long as it was a good one. You know, we got a film somewhat focused on them, but it just wasn't. It wasn't a good one. It wasn't a return to form that I was probably hoping for. You know, an alien-related film with Ridley Scott that was awesome. You know, I got an alien-related film with Ridley Scott that was frustrating as hell. So, yes. you know, I don't think the lack of alien was necessarily the killer thing of it. Yeah, we, we wanted alien back, and we, we'll get it, but it was an alien-related film. If it had been good, I'm sure there wouldn't have been as many as many complaints about it. I think I think it's ultimately down was was down to the quality, not the fact that it it was wasn't wholly an alien film. It it seems also like Ridley has had a. a somewhat recent fascination with the science as well as the spiritual and the religious. Like you see this with the fact that he made the movie uh, Exodus and then right after he made the Martian or I'm not sure maybe it was right before, but he made those two one after the other and movies like kingdom of heaven. And the fact that alien is, is or not alien. Uh, Prometheus is meant to be such a, a sciencey movie, but at the same time, it's also very religious. Um, I think that can make for an interesting juxtaposition, but with Covenant, I really hope they, they leave some of that religious undertone behind and focus more on the, the elements that people are really drawn to with Alien. As long as, as long as it's coherent, then I'm happy. You know, it's, it's... As long as Jesus is not an engineer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... I was trying to avoid bringing that up. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's one of those it's another one of those random thoughts that he has thankfully obviously we didn't end up with it but you know as as long as as long as covenant's coherent with where it's going i don't mind what themes it plays on um you know be religious um i don't care as long as your film makes sense and as long as it's interesting you know i mentioned stargate earlier you know that was that was sort of like my franchise that i i sort of grew up with and you know that that was all sort of very um shit what's his name van eric von daniken yes yes that was all chariot of the gods kind of thing so i'm i'm very used to that kind of that kind of thematic stuff so i i find it interesting i i like this idea of the the mythical the religions being based on some ancient truth you know it doesn't fuss me it just Make a good film. Well, I, I wasn't I wasn't so much referring to like the alien astronaut theory stuff as I was with like Shaw's personal relationship with her religion. Or I guess there's a character in Covenant that's going to have a similar type dynamic to him. That's that's more what, along the lines of what I was referring to. As long as they actually do something with it, I don't. You know, people. Uh, what what percentage of the population probably believes in that kind of thing? You know, it's it, it's. It's something that's there, you know. It's something that's that's relatable. And as as an audience member, I would find, I would have found Shaw's conflict of religion interesting if there was an actually a conflict of a religion, you know, conflict of beliefs rather than just doggedly sticking to. Now I know we found our gods, but there's some other god somewhere else, kind of thing. That's what I didn't like about her character. But you know, having actual inner turmoil and interesting, you know, character stuff going off you know that would have been fine and and exploring religion as a way of doing that would have been fine by me if they actually did something with it yeah i, I see what you mean they actually had a character in the, the newer comics um life and death who was a religious character and he was kind of like you were talking about he was a bit more conflicted when they were discovering things about the engineers and and things like that i can't think who you think who you mean him it was the the guy with like the trench coat he was one of the prospectors that they pick up Oh, in 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 the new run, the current yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you now. Have we exhausted that? <laughs> I think we might have. Fair enough. Okay, well, before we do, just sign you know sign off. Obviously, this has been a Prometheus focused discussion with tangents everywhere, <laughs> as per usual. I don't think we ever keep on topic. But where, where would the fun in that be? Um, most of the tangents have been related, at least. At least they were <laughs> the same franchise. <laughs> it's always handy. <laughs> but before we do sign off, you know, um, is there anything, you know, is there some tangents out there that you'd like to just throw out, Andrew, specifically? How big do you think the alien on top of the ship in the Covenant trailer is? Normal sized. So what's that about? Yeah, it looks kind of big chap sized. You think? Okay, I thought because I thought he was bigger. Well, it does have the the digi grade legs now. It looks like they're kind of taking a couple nods from isolation with the design. So I don't I, know if. And the, the isolation alien is is huge, so yeah, they proper increased the size for that one, didn't they? So what what is it like? You think like engineer sized? Something like that, seven or eight feet, or the original was seven feet. Yeah, um, it's probably about nine or ten feet actually. In isolation, anyway, you know, it's it's hard to gauge this, for this from the man who can't tell uh, sizes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't don't trust me on uh, <laughs> judge on distance sizes. <laughs> I remember reading it might have been something like that, if that makes it, it better. It was 42 feet long. 
<laughs> with with the tail in EVP, it was. <laughs> Super tail. Right, well, fair enough then. Um, you know, uh, thanks everybody for uh, for listening. And thank you, Andrew, for joining us today. Hopefully, after I've edited it all together, you know, it's not as rambly as it feels when I'm talking. And hopefully you've all enjoyed it. Um, You know, as always, any comments, any questions, you disagree with us, you agree with us, whatever, let us know. It's always nice to hear that there are people out there who, you know, listen. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Obviously, because we don't release via the... uh, normal podcast channels it's it's a little hard for me to track uh, but you know it's always nice to hear back from people got a lovely message the other day from um from a fellow who'd um, been listening and just wanted to get in touch to let us know how much he enjoyed the podcast so you know any feedback good bad as long as it's constructive throw it our way and by the time this is out we'll be pretty close to covenant uh, might have even gone past Alien Day because I hate editing, so I always uh, always takes me ages. Um, so we'll soon have an idea of what we're thinking about the new film, and we've got a shit ton of stuff planned um, for after the film's released. Loads of interviews um, sort of scheduled in, and we'll of course be recording our own um, episode focused on that. So you'll be able to hear our thoughts on that at some point. And as always, you know the self-advertising stuff that I loathe doing. But make sure you know you're keeping an eye on the homepage, avpgalaxy.net, and we're also on Facebook as Alien vs Predator Galaxy, and on Twitter as at avpgalaxy. And if you just like looking at pretty pictures, we've also got an Instagram account that's Alien vs Predator Galaxy. So thank you everybody for listening. Thank you again for joining us, Andrew. Right. So before we do sign off, Andrew, if you just want to plug anything you've got out there, any outlets that you want, um, you know, where people can find you, find more about your books and uh, what you do and who you are. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Facebook, Andrew E. C. Gaska, um, and my website is blamventures.com. Uh, we're a retro studio and we do uh, a lot of sci-fi stuff for properties from the seventies. So I think uh, a lot of your listeners would be interested. Um, in addition to that, I'm currently writing a series of Buck Rogers novels, which are available available for pre-order on Amazon. Uh, so just look up uh, Buck Rogers and my last name, Gaska, and you should find them. Awesome. Well, I think that's it for this episode. That's a wrap. So as always, we will just do our obligatory end. So this is Corporal Hicks. And Ridgetop. Andrew Gaska. Signing off.